trigger warning, this episode contains themes of adult violence, uh, molestation, sexual abuse, incarceration, and profanity. Many other hard-hitting topics might come up, so this is a pretty long one. Buckle up. Let's go. Sometimes we all feel like our whole life is just one big, dark room. And we are our own personal Tommy Wiseau, holding ourselves captive and curating the hell that we believe that we live in. Sometimes it feels like that, and sometimes it is like that. And uh, sometimes you hide behind comedy... And sometimes there's literally no one or anywhere or anything that can save you. And you're just hung upside down with your dwindling landscape of places that you can find safety. You know, one way to be really stuck is to be without resources And uh, the interesting thing about the hanged man is he's hung by the foot upside down in a tree. There is a story about it, but I'd like to talk about homelessness in America. How does that relate to the tarot? Let me tell you, let me tell you, buddy. Uh, Life is tarot. Tarot is life. It's, It's not just a game for bored teenagers. It's also a parable for all of existence and I'd like to in this time when I'm talking about my personal life and stories as they relate to the tarot to pull in from things that are coming from real places not just you know um, theoretical and dreamy wishy-washy whatever Um, so here I am in Los Angeles California, which I've come to by the skin of my teeth. And in the distance, you might hear someone playing the microwave like a fucking keyboard. And uh, that's because I live in a garage of a shared house in a beautiful neighborhood. And no, I'm not just like sleeping on a pile of newspapers in the corner next to some car. It's, you know, it's a garage, but it's been renovated to be something of a room. And, you know, a lot of us, we are stuck if we live in um, major cities. A lot of us have to take what we can get. And um, there's a line in, in my room. There's a line of wall that's a weird way to say that. Okay. So there's like a normal size of side of my room where it looks like a room. And then 
a quarter into it near the outside is stucco on the ceiling all the way down and I see a a big um, fluorescent light bar strip hung up in the ceiling and that to me looks definitely like yeah it's a constant reminder that this was a garage and you know I did what I could it made it cute whatever but every time I look at that it reminds me that I am that close to being on the streets and uh, seriously by my luck I get to live in this garage by my luck and if I work hard enough and if I do the best I can every day I get to stay <laughs> I get to stay under the employ of life in the garage you know and this is not me complaining it's just a reality and my my auntie once said don't you think it's weird that you just live in a house with strangers and she said this to me a while ago when I lived in a different house with strangers who became my friends but I was like what are you talking about get get cool like what what you know I just it was just such a way of life you know I didn't I thought it was so weird, you know, I'm like, there's more than one way to go, lady, like, not everyone has to live in, a, in the suburbs, you know, um, and though I do not wish to live in the suburbs, um, one of my other aunts, she has this gigantic fucking house, she has a pool, she has all this stuff, her garage is bigger than my room, <laughs> and, um, she pays the same fucking rent as I do, she pays the same rent is ideal um so sometimes life um through different circumstances and different tides it's like a monopoly board and you have to keep hopping to the next position and sometimes there's these um there's these weird little offshoots and you can go this way or that but you have to only <laughs> you can only work with what is before you and um you have to work your position to get to the next one and sometimes you have control over what will come and sometimes you don't so much um because that's just how the game works you know and um there are so many like i <laughs> I wish I could just clutch my pearls right now, but I'm not wearing any. Um, God damn it. Like, there are so many people for so many different circumstances that the Monopoly board on their lives path, I guess, the ch next checker that um, you step onto is um, destitute homelessness. And... There are many reasons why this can happen to someone. And there's a lot of generalizations on why this happens to someone. But imagine for whatever reason, someone is homeless. And they no longer have access to the liberty of taking a shower when they want. Or going to the bathroom indoors when they want to to preparing their own meals when they need to, to having warmth and shelter and safety. And that makes me cry. 
it does. It makes me cry, um, not in the theory of homelessness, but because it's a, it's a topic near and dear to me. And um, something that I think I've suppressed a bit is my times being homeless. I, um, I didn't ever check in totally with like, you're a homeless person. I was like, okay, I'm couch surfing. Okay, I'm looking for an apartment. Okay, I found an apartment now. Okay, I'm looking for this. Okay, I need this. And um, I just was living by the day, figuring out how to push forward. And there's a lot of resources that I have, both innately as a human being um, and an extrovert, um, and just different skill sets I have. And I do have a lot of dumb luck, you know, and through all of these different things, it's brought me to the safety of this fucking garage. Thank God. Um, but there are people in my life who I love very much and my family who have been homeless for years and they are hardworking. They have jobs. They're not drug addicts. Um, they're amiable and extroverted and funny and good spirited. Um, and in, and when, when you meet them, you may never know that they live in their car. And I've known a lot of people who, um, have, have decided to be homeless by choice. Um, I don't know if that's a great way to say that, but you know, there's, there's different kinds of homeless people. There's, um, there's travelers, you know, and, um, that's like a, that's a more romanticized homelessness, but I've known, you know, traveler punks that had severe brain trauma because they fell off a train or they were beaten by someone who was some sort of authority in the train yard or while squatting in some weird overpass or been assaulted in different ways because of just the lack of safety and you have to exist wherever you happen to be. And sometimes those places are very dangerous. And um, I've also known people who had dark personalities, um, possibly the dark triad, Google it, and um, that led them to exhausting resources and uh, people that were willing to give them chances in... um, I'm taking a moment... (laughs) I'm taking a moment because I'm talking about my mother, my my mother, my mommy, my mama. She's a homeless lady. Um, she lives somewhere in Sacramento, and um, I am not in contact with her. And it's not because I want her to be homeless, um, and I hate her. It's more because she's an emotionally abusive person, but yeah, that's my mother. You know, I love her. I don't, she's a tiny woman. My mom is, get this, my mom is fucking 4'11". She's 4 feet and 11 inches tall. She's like Jiminy Cricket tiny. Um, One time I was smoking a bowl with her on this dumpy ass outdoor porch couch and her little feet couldn't even hit the floor it was like dangling off the side of this low couch I'm like she's like 
the size of a child. She's tiny. Um, funny story, actually, this time that I'm talking about noticing my mom's dangling little feet. Um, I saw, we saw these raccoons, these three raccoons on the side fence, walking up on the side of the fence up to- up top. <laughs> and the one in the front was kind of limping. And we were looking at it and we we're like, oh no, that poor little guy, you know, what's happening? And the two raccoons were like following it. And we thought, we thought, oh, the raccoon is going to take care of this wounded other raccoon. I don't know if you guys have spent very much time in any place where raccoons dwell, but you might have noticed that raccoons are assholes and they're violent and uh, they hurt, they hurt creatures, you know, they're, um, at least the ones in Oakland were pretty brutal. Um, so suddenly we hear these horrible, fucked up, screaming, terror noises and we're like, what was that? And then we see two raccoons running back the other way they came. And one of them has the leg of the fucking other raccoon, I assume, the one that was injured, in its mouth. They, like, ripped this fucking raccoon's leg off. It's in their mouth. They're going the other way. They just, what the fuck? fuck, you know, that was a nightmare situation. And I don't know if that, I mean that, you know, the streets are hard. And I feel like when sometimes people are in a space of injury, um, and it, 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 believe me, it hasn't, uh, escaped me the, the concept of the, again, the concept of the leg being held, (laughs) you know, the hanged man image, you see one leg being held, and then the raccoon's leg being held by the other one taken away from them. And, you know, legs are symbols of autonomy, of of, of liberty, of being able to be free and move forward. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think, by no coincidence that that's the symbol of the hanged man to have his leg bound. So... <coughs> My mother is a homeless person. She's also, um, I believe, and rumor on the street, word on the street is um, she uses meth. She's a meth addict. And I think that there's also this thing about homelessness where you think of um, homeless people as being mentally ill and uh, drug addicts. And uh, Instead of thinking that we have the space and room to hold them and care for them and help them, we think this we're overwhelmed, there's no way, and um, we just decided we can banish them as much as we can. You know, you can't sit here, you can't go here, we're going to turn the sprinklers on, we're going to have the cop come around, and not to say that I think we should live in this beautiful society where homeless people are allowed to, you know, pester people or whatever. Like, I've definitely been in situations where I did not want to deal with an aggressive man who was a homeless person who was coming towards me. Um, Not to say that I was um, totally afraid of him, but did I want to deal with that? Hell no, I didn't, you know? But 
the reality is every single move that he makes in his situation is capped off a little bit. His leg is caught. So imagine that you are mentally ill and you're living on the streets. Imagine you are a small woman <laughs> or man, doesn't matter. And you have to constantly be vigilant to protect your body from harm. Imagine that you already have some mental issues and you're not getting health care. And uh, during your mental health crisis, you are not thinking fucking clearly. You're not, you don't, you, you're in a, a, a stew of your subconscious toxins. And um, there's these buildings like on the other side of the town. You don't, you don't even know how to get there. You don't know what address to say that you live at. You don't, you don't maybe have the wherewithal to fill out all these papers and wait and come back and do this and that, you know, and you're not getting the mental health care you need. You don't have a place that is healthful to take care of your body and, and rest your mind. And, uh, meanwhile, there's immediate access to drugs that make you feel for a minute that you have the energy to at least protect yourself. Um, that's fucked and it's real. It's a real thing that happens by the droves all over this country. And, um, because homeless people are such a pariah to our society, we don't consider them as, uh, the same type of entities the rest of us are, essentially. Sure, we can have a moment of goodwill where you're like, I'm going to give this guy $50 and I want to see the look on his face. And he's like, okay, thanks. You know, and sometimes you see these viral videos where someone's crying and it's like, you know, it's like emotional prostitution. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some quick cash and I want you to juice out some vulnerable emotions and then peace out, you know, get, go get a hamburger, whatever, you know, um, good luck with that. So once upon a time, I was studying to be a therapist and I was going to school for that. And, um, not like I do now where I just tell people what to do and listen to philosophy and psychological you know, lectures in my free time, I, I went to classes and stuff. I did workshops and whatever. And, um, in one of my classes, there was this man who was this beautiful human. And, uh, he was, he was trying to, to ask us questions so that there were like stumpers, you know, he would ask us a question and then everyone would try to be, you know, we were like young. So we were like, was it because of this? You know? So anyway, um, sorry, I'll just say the fucking story. Okay. So he was talking about working in a homeless shelter in, uh, downtown San Francisco and how, uh, some, some parts of the shelter where you could room and board. And then there was also like an open sort of soup kitchen, right? And there was this person who was completely disassociative and they had this epically gnarly blanket that they just had become a part of them, you know, their personal tortoise shell, like a literal security blanket. 
Um, they reeked, they smelled horrible, hadn't bathed in a long time, um, wasn't also, I'm sure, defensively odorous. So that keeps people away sometimes, you know? Um, and they would come in and mutter to themselves, not make eye contact with anyone, have a little bowl of soup and just sit in the corner of the cafeteria and just eat their soup and just sit there for a few hours and then they were on their way and they didn't stay in the shelter they just came to sip some soup and um after he tells the story he said what is the benefit of them coming into the space and of course us obnoxious little chipmunks in the crowd or whatever were like Somebody's like, mm, after a while, he'll start to feel comfortable and safe, and then he'll start to find um, recovery through this or that. And he said, nope, that's not it. And um, after all of our stupid answers, he said, the soul just needs to rest sometimes for him to come in and have a moment of peace and not feel threatened, to feel accepted, and that it was okay that he was there, that he belonged there, to not be bothered, to not be banished from the space, to enjoy just a moment of not having to be at high alert, you know, not having to feel the pressure of being kicked out of a you know, a bank lobby or a Starbucks, you know, um, a place where he could go to the bathroom. <laughs> and that, that was it. That was what it was for him. Just, a, just that moment of peace to touch in. And it start, it started to sit with me, the idea of the reality of being a person is that we don't, I mean, in the, in the West, we just like, we're just so obsessed with like progress every day. I'm going to get better. I'm going to be this champion. I'm going to be this super person. And every day, if I keep doing these things and if I keep following these 10 rules for success, if I do this and that, I'm going to up my game every fucking day. I'm going to get like harder and stronger and smarter and sexier. And the reality is in the tormented soul, um, sometimes we are in the clutches of a terrible experience and uh, the serenity of just having a place to not be bothered and sit in the experience um, without the added stress, stress and pressures is seriously the best possible solution for a moment. So the idea of also this, this human being... Um, in in a sense, they become um, dehumanized, and we're almost thinking them as some kind of animal, like some kind of wild, sad animal. And and some of us, and it's the purity in our hearts that think, oh, if only, if only, if only, we could just maybe get him to calm down, and maybe in in some blissful circumstance, like he's adopted or something, and. We take the blanket off of him. We give him a shower. We give him a little clean room. Um, 
let's say we cater to all of his needs, not just for a makeover show, but for every day, you know? Imagine that he is treated like a like a little prince, you know? Um, in all that, not to say it isn't worth it to think, you know, of giving someone a better experience, in all that we negate his free will. In every offering that we can give him, he has to accept... And also, I think there's an underlying expectation that he will click back in and uh, be communicative and offer us this gratitude of, you know, how we've saved him. And also, you know, possibly he progressively gets well and then contributes to society by getting a fucking job or something like that. And it's, I mean, sometimes... I feel like some people are not going to ever completely be able to assimilate. Not to say that they are now deserving of the dredges, but I think sometimes when we think about what we want from people and how we want them to come back into society, there's a lot of fucking expectations there. And uh, it's in some ways well-intended and in other ways it's indoctrinated mercilessness that a person has to eventually conform and be a part of it and um, I don't know if this is a chicken or the egg experience or whatever but um, I don't know I think I'm kind of exhausted with the idea of everyone needs to be so fucking purposeful, you know, um, to be respected or to, to be safe. And it's really, it's also just, you know, unfortunately, it's just the reality of the world we live in, that this is a possibility. And it's at like, I mean, honestly, it's it's at a point in our world, we just keep looking the other way. And um, even those I know who work with homeless populations, it's so overwhelming. The programs are, you know, even generous programs are so tight. Um, there's no real response. I mean, there are small things that people do. There's you know, SORs, which stands for a single residence, uh, residency occupational unit, or I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, there's, there's little like kind of homeless hotels and halfway houses. Um, homeless people can go to jail for being homeless or not having a proper place to go to the bathroom or being totally fucking mental in the first place and being in the worst possible experience for mental health. And um, so basically, the entire United States, and I'm going to speak to my own countrymen because this is where I'm from, um, we are leaving so many of our own people uh, just not considered. And... uh, 
the reality is there are, if we do the math, if we think about it, just if we give a fuck, you know, and, and I don't mean you, the listener, I'm sure you give a fuck. I believe that. But I mean, we, the collective people, the government, whatever, you know, there's nothing, nobody's arm in arm banding together. Like, okay, cool. Like there's all these fucking, um, there's all these houses, there's all these healthcare providers, there's all these um, different approaches we might start taking with how to offer the homeless people of the United States who have um, a, a plethora of different stories, you know, and why they're there and what they want to do. And we can't generalize any specific homeless person in, you know, oh, it's just, you know, they just want their drugs or they just want this or that. You know, everyone has such a unique story and, and why they're there. And, um, yeah, what if we just offered them spaces? And then that's so anti-capitalist. It hits us, it punches us right in the balls in the heart of every American. Even if you're like, yeah, fuck the, fuck the government, blah, 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 blah. You still like hope that your SoundCloud gets viral or whatever, you know, like people still believe in capitalism in in the United States, no matter how anti-established they are. I think the the um the sort of methadone cl- clinic of uh capitalism is uh the artist, you know, like I'm anti-capitalist, I'm a unique individual artist soul and if everyone hears my voice then they would know and then I can get all this money and be safe. You know, it's it's so ingrained in our culture in every fiber and um I'm not saying that that you can't help the homeless people. I'm sa- I'm not saying that you can't go out and or you shouldn't give homeless people money, or you shouldn't donate to charities. I totally do that, but that is such, like, that is just, like, a Band-Aid on, like, a head wound, like, a gl- a gash where your brain is poking out, you know? It's like, that. how is that gonna, at the end of the day, hold space for so many people who have their foot caught with nowhere to fucking go? And in, in, um... In times that I've been homeless, um, I felt like I was holding my breath, you know. I was, I was, uh, part of me processing, uh, the pain of whatever it was that I had to, that brought me to the gap in between, um, one place and the next, and, um, also the fear of, uh, not being able to find a new space, along with the hustle of going and finding a new space and new work and new this or that, um, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And in that time, you're at capacity. There's only, there's only so many fucking things you could do. So, I mean, there's, um, there's so many different cultures of homeless people. I mean, there's people that live under the city of Las Vegas and these weird tunnels and there's different sorts of encampments all over the world. Um, there's, again, there's travelers, there's what some travelers call humbums, like, you know, there's, um, people who are runaways. There are people who, um, have lost their homes and their partners and their families. And, uh, there's people who are living in their cars. Um, there's people who are young, there's people who are old, there's people that are type A personalities living, you know, there's like, 
so many fucking situations and it's hard to generalize and using the extreme of the man with the blanket is of course one of the iconographies of you know homelessness that we think of um and that should be considered I mean I think that the untouchables um it seems to fall on us that oh, if I see them and I feel bad, maybe I'll give them some money and then I'll justify that that helps and that's fine. But ultimately, the real need is something beyond my capacity to offer. So therefore, it falls on another's shoulders and everyone just keeps passing it. And not to say that we are all complicit exactly in um, hurting these people, um, but it's just, it's just the nature of the business over here, you know, like, so what's to be done about it? And I'm not going to be pretending to understand or know exactly what to do, but, and, and, or pawn it off as like, that's just how the world is. And that's in the tarot and everyone gets there sometimes. Um, you know, everyone has their own personal hell they exist in sometimes and they sometimes you're just stuck and there's nothing you could do I mean sure like it all fits in the bag but I I don't exactly have the answer you know sometimes when I'm going to sleep I um I don't know if this is important but I cry sometimes (laughs) when I'm um thinking about the overwhelming need And, um, I'll try to think as hard as I can about anything I could possibly do about it or potentially do about it, or maybe even not me, but perhaps maybe a a system or a concept that would, would offer new things with the plentiful resources we fucking have is just like such a mismanagement of it all, you know, and, uh, I mean, honestly, right now I'm doing everything I can to not just start crying and getting an emotion, getting in an emotional space. You know, my mother, for example, it's not safe for me to try to help her. And as fucked up as that is, it's something that I have to do to take care of myself, my well-being physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and it's not because I don't want to. And, uh, yeah, sure. I told you I live in a fucking garage. It's not like I could, I mean, I constantly think like, oh, if I had money, I would just buy like a little house or something for my mom to live in. And, you know, she would be okay at least, you know, and I don't have to talk to her or anything, but I could give her a home. Um, I can't do that. And, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, if it's not because we don't care about other people, but there's something that ties our leg back also, like in our ability to respond or care or nurture our own kind. And I mean, humankind, guys. <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to break the tension because this is, um, this is a topic that makes me fucking feel stuck. It makes me feel stuck in knowing that, you know, 
a couple of days um if I don't work for a couple days something like that happens I fairly well could be um without my home if um my landlord decides like fuck y'all get out of here I'll I will be without my home and I know y'all are thinking like just get a new house but like that's there's there's like this these tilts of different circumstances that make us live as we do, you know, and we're just riffing off the last bar, you know, it's just, there's, um, there's not always safety nets for everyone. There's not always, um, like plush incomes or savings or, you know, um, places we could stay, you know, there's, that's not always what is happening. That's not on everyone's package you know that's that's just the reality is that um we all get we're dealt different hands and uh I believe sometimes we fuck our fuck ourselves over but I don't think for any reason that we deserve to be destitute and banished in our own worlds so the idea of homelessness is something that has been a bit on my mind for a while. And uh, that is because when I was a little kid, me and my brother um, and my baby sister, we wanted to run away. And uh, we were just stupid little kids. We were little, tinies. And um, we lived in an apartment complex. So we were outside playing. And we're like, what if we just kept going, you know? So we went and we were looking for, like, a new place to dwell or whatever. I mean, we watched cartoons. We were stupid. We were, like, actually stupid. Um, because that's what happens when you're little. You're, you're dumb. And we kind of, we, like, wandered around, like, pretty far. Kind of scary thinking about these little kids, like, out there that far. Um and then we kind of couldn't really find, um, if you can believe it, like a little magical hut or anything. We just, we eventually found these hedges kind of in the, some weird ass spot in the apartments, um, in the apartment complex. To me, it seemed like a small village. It was like pretty big. And um, we decided like, okay, this is pretty cool. Let's just live here. And we called it our bushy house. And we hung out in the bushy house for a pretty long time until it was, um, until we were hungry and we had to pee and stuff. And so we were like, okay, the bushy house doesn't have any food in it. It doesn't have a toilet. It, it, ha- it doesn't have anything warm in here. We can't really just totally stay in here. So we went back. And then later in life, when I was probably around eight, seven or eight, um, I tried to run away from home. I don't think anyone even noticed, by the way, but I, <laughs> I decided to run away from home. I was crying and I just got the shit kicked out of me. I was scared and I just started running up the street. I just kept running, 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 running until I was like out of air and then Um, My mouth was all dry. I was running and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going back. Fuck that. Never 
going back. And I kept walking and I kept walking and I kept walking and I'm looking around. I saw people's nice moms like doing dishes in the window, you know, kitchen window and, you know, people with like scary dogs barking at me and just kept walking and walking. There's like houses, 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 yards. And like, well, I was a little kid. Also, I was like slightly less stupid, but clearly also stupid. And I was also just desperate. I didn't know what the fuck I was like praying. I'm like, just give me a sign. Like, where do I go? I kept wa- I, I kept going until it was dark. You know, I found a park and I was just like looking everywhere. Like I was on high alert. Like this is like an Easter egg hunt. Like where is the spot where no one will give a shit if I just exist there? I didn't find it. It didn't exist. Not not for me, not then. Um, yeah, I didn't have a car or anything, you know. There wasn't Lyft invented. I didn't have a smartphone. Um, I just had, you know, the t-shirt on my back and it was getting cold. Like I was like there's n- there what I don't even know what to do, you know. So eventually I just wandered back home. Um, so that homelessness is 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 one aspect of considering how the hanged man can break down in our lives you know and in in a reading i don't always take it to an extreme if if i pull the the hanged man for someone i don't immediately say you're going to be homeless you know like i don't first of all i'm not i'm not really like i don't have a big heart on for predictive readings in the first place but i also I don't take it there. I don't take it to 11 every time I'm pulling a card. But that feeling of um, just not having a place to put your next foot, your foot is caught, um, I think is, is, is well illustrated in the zeitgeist of American culture and there in the homelessness. And then um, the other side of the coin because uh, that's like just free range, you know, hanged man is... Uh, the caged hangman, the prisoner. So that's another huge thing in, um, in America that, um, there are many Americans who have nothing. They're living in the streets. They're, they're not being taken care of. They're in a, in a horrible state. And we say, okay, somebody will figure that out for you. I don't know. Here's a dollar, you know, if you're, if you're feeling generous, you know, Maybe you're donating some, you know, money or clothing or blankets or toys or whatever. Maybe you're going to the soup kitchens and spooning out some chicken noodle. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not discouraging people from doing small acts of service and kindness. But that is in no way changing the game. Not really. It does in small ways and it is worth it. It is worth it to try but I think we need something better. And that something better is not fucking prison. A lot of homeless people will end up getting peddled off because, yeah, they have drugs on them or um, they get in a fight or, you know, they're acting fucking crazy, you know, and they get 5150 or something. They go to jail or prison. And uh, that is a whole other ballgame. Um, but I believe that 
it's definitely connective and it definitely shows us how how we as a society we are a society we live in a society sorry I don't I keep ranting off and like being a dumbass because it's really like the best way that I take the pressure off of these things that um are so insurmountable in their tragic nature that it it helps me to just be be a dumbass like it just makes me feel a little a little better and you know you sometimes you just gotta soothe the beast within so prisons um there's a lot of reasons why people go to prison you know not everyone in jail or prison uh is there because um they are straight up bad 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 you know I've seen enough SVU you know the historical documentary law and order special victims unit which is exactly what life is like, right? Um, but I've, you know, I've seen, I like watch those shows. I like watch a lot of forensics files, which that's just like a creepy thing because you're like, oh my God, I've never heard of this famous serial killer that's killing all these people. Never even fucking heard of him. Oh, there's like 400 episodes about these different people that are just killing people. Yeah, there's some fucked up people that definitely should not be um, out and about ready to kill all these people like of course like you know there's people who who don't I I feel that I'm not saying that all prisons are bad it's clearly not that simple but there's a lot of people in prison for dumbass shit and it's just it's slavery it is you know um I'm tempted to talk about those who have known and loved who were incarcerated um for reasons uh that I feel uh I sometimes don't know how I feel about their sentencing or their lack of sentencing someone who I love very much was in uh jail for uh, like the better part of a year without trial and um at fucking 19 years old decided that he couldn't take it anymore and he signed a a, a plea he he took a, he took a plea deal or whatever i i'm sorry i'm not a lawyer i don't know what the fuck it's called but anyway he he decided to like basically sign away his rights uh to get out and um that's a fucking hanged man position you know, you're, you literally are stuck and you can't move on. And the, the narrow pathway it takes sometimes is so fucked up, but it's the only portal before you, or at least seemingly so. And, uh, I don't know. I can't speak to every single circumstance of the hanged man because they're incredibly variant, but I can say that there are these masses of people that are overlooked as being um, dangerous, creepy, unrelatable, and dehumanized uh, to the point where they are all the more in a stuck position because we won't we won't think about them. We won't consider their lives as meaningful or deserving of kindness. Or it, there's just and there's so much bureaucracy 
is just the red tape that binds their ankles, you know, their foot so they can't move forward. And again, you know, there are so many instances for all of this shit going down that it's hard to say what what the best answer for all of it is. But nonetheless, it is. It exists. And um, and not always and forever, each circumstance. Not everyone who is homeless will always be homeless. Um, they certainly weren't, most of them weren't born homeless, living on the streets th- their whole lives. You know, they've had other chapters. Um, not everyone incarcerated is going to stay there, of course. You know, there's there's so many different things. And, you know, I'll, I'll get to this more in the justice episode. But, I mean, I was fucking molested by my stepfather. Sorry, this is a dark episode. Uh, if that's triggering for you, I'm sorry. Um, I'll try to make a disclaimer in the beginning. And he went to fucking prison for four years. There are people who've had weed on them who have been in fucking prison for longer than that. Is that okay? Mm, Let's talk about this in the justice episode. But all I'm saying, I just, that just was like a little brain drop. And I, I don't think that it's totally appropriate for this episode, except for to point that um, sometimes people are all fucked up and they are not sure on how to go forward. They may not be able to communicate well. They might have a shortness of luck. <laughs> um, there might be a lot of different circumstances that come into that equation. Um, but I, I mean, when you're in that position, the best you can do for yourself is be kind and present with yourself if you can, um, because it's it's the, it's one of the more immediate positions of the soul to be trapped like that, and um, I mean I, I would encourage all of us to be more compassionate without um, without putting ourselves in danger. You know we can't we can't always overextend ourselves because then we are going to tumble over and then what will come become of us, you know, um, that's not always the appropriate response, but just seeing that the fragility of the human experience, um, can sometimes bring people into a place where they're very stuck. And, uh, that is so painful and so fucked up. And part of, part of it being fucked up is, it's not an easy release into the next stage. I don't know. If you have any ideas on things to be done, if you have any charities you want to promote uh, towards these things, if you have any kind of insight or stories you want to share, please um, please hit me up and talk about it. But uh, I just want to say to anyone who um, is pulling the hangman, right now and and maybe if that's what brought you to the show um it doesn't matter if you're in total dire straits living in the street or incarcerated 
it doesn't it doesn't have to be that extreme to acknowledge that you're in pain that you're in a stuck position in life um and those who are experiencing the deep <laughs> the deep depths of the hanged man um to all of us the one thing that i can say about the hanged man is that he has a halo he has found enlightenment and um this goes back to the story that i was touching on earlier and i've mentioned in previous episodes of odin the knowledge god uh he, he goes and um travels the yggdrasil the tree of life on all the different uh, orbs of uh, existence. He, he goes, he talks to everyone. He is cloaked in a gray cloak um, with his face um, hidden. Um, I mean, he could have been the blanket guy from the cafeteria for all we know, right? Um, he goes to all the realms and eventually, he, after he sees everything, his thirst for knowledge isn't quenched. So he hangs himself by the foot, by the ankle, upside down in the tree of Yggdrasil for nine days until he screams out in pain and his voice breaks into runes. And the runes are, um, are the alphabet. It's also divination. It's also calendar. It's a lot of stuff. So he brings into the world, he births a discovery and it comes from a place of deep uh, anguish and having to be saturated in, in an uncomfortable, painful, stuck position. From that, he, he breaks out with a, with a realization. And to break out something like runes, which is, again, alphabet, calendar, divination system, it's, it's in, in some way a complete system, you know? So basically, it's the congealment of all of his wisdom, all of his um, observation, all of his perseverance, all of his pain, all of his experience of all of the tree of life. And it's just brought out into this, um, this one beautiful moment. So again, I don't want to put on anyone that they have to be useful or purposeful or contribute these um, juggernaut gifts to all of humanity and every... Um, hanged man is a potential Prometheus of sorts or something like that. Like we, we don't need that from you. You're, you can be okay just as you are. But, um, I will say that, uh, the archetype of the hanged man is someone who is on the brink of discovery in something that they can, they can bring back in what they understand of humanity. And, um, and that is a benevolent gift that they give to all of mankind and um, I mean to say that as in you are, if you are in the hanged man position, you may feel like the scum of the fucking earth, but you are also in a position of great insight, great compassion, and to be able to offer something that has never been seen before. So, I mean, I don't know if you know who um, Franz Kafka is, but... He is um, a writer. <laughs> he was a writer. <laughs> and um, there was a lot of hanged man quality to his work. And um, he died fairly young and he was not recognized for his work. He, he didn't even finish a lot 
of his writing and he asked his friend to burn it all after he died. He he didn't he didn't think it was worth shit. Um though what he contributed um without his knowing even, you know, cuz it was all put on after his death. Same with fucking Van Gogh, you know. You hear these stories um what they contributed or Anne Frank, you know, um was a huge medicine to the progression of the human collective, you know? And um, you may be feeling worthless in the hanged man position, but you will never see, you know, how your realizations and your discoveries and how your process and how you, whatever that means, you you don't know how that's going to impact the world. I mean, for example, let's say Blanket Man um, from the cafeteria we were checking back in with him a couple times. I, I want to just kind of keep checking in with him, just seeing how he's doing. Um, he did something that was not sitting down and writing an epic novel or anything like that. He wasn't painting a painting. He was doing a simple act of his own accord. And um, still, that was a story that was being used as an example in a place of learning by a wonderful man, you know, and it was touching the minds and you could just see the light go on in people's eyes when they were hearing the story and the realization that he deserved to exist in peace, if if only for a few hours a day, that his simple act of showing up and being there and giving himself that peace and having the allowance to have peace was enough. And how that eventually started just through word of mouth, the the speaking, the telling of him, um, for nothing else, like that being a realization that future psychologists were hearing to then in turn share that, the core, the heart of it, the heart of the concept of that he deserved to exist in peace and sharing that spirit, if not by, through storytelling to each one of their clients, but using that to change the way that they saw other people and how they could offer mental health to how many people, you know, and now I'm telling you. So, you know, I mean, it's magical thinking of thinking of him as Odin, right? Like (laughs) a modern day Odin in his gray cloak and, you know, just secretly observing how the world works or whatever. Um, It's just a little magical theatrical thinking, but but the reality in, in, in an ethereal sense was he did provide, just by his act of existing, a certain knowledge for all of us. So we think of him in, in some ways archetypally as like the lowest of the low. And here he is through no direct eye contact, no, um, you know, he didn't write a fucking sonata, like, whatever, he didn't offer, like, a wrapped up tied in a bow, like, here you go, humanity, I made you something, but he is offering something to humanity of great importance, which is just through his existence, that we are all precious, and we all deserve peace, and we all deserve compassion, so something to think about um, for yourself, no matter how low you may be feeling right now, and for those around you, I'm sending you so much love, and uh, that'll be that. I gotta go.